0: Let's do this, the Cult of Hockey Podcast by the faithful and for the faithful in oil country and around the world. I'm David Stipples, Minton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Welcome, Bruce.
1: Hey David, how are you doing tonight?
0: Good, and how are you?
1: Well, a lot happier than I was sort of halfway through the first period, I gotta say. <laughs>
0: So, Bruce, I was wondering what you sacrificed to the hockey gourds to get an Oilers win on the night that you're grading the games.
1: Yeah, I was uh, I was kind of overdue, you know. That's uh, uh, it's just my fifth win of the season that I got to talk about. And uh, it did not look like a promising thing, but what I did, you know what I did? I held my temper. They were 0-2 down, and they were, you know, two double deflections, and I'm just going, it's early. You know, it's way too soon to give up hope. I still believe in this team, despite their uh, performance on the other nights that I've been grading them. And uh, just kind of hung in there, and they got the one. They kind of hung in there, too. They got the one, and they gradually, I thought, took over and were the better team in the second half of the game. Uh, outshot Winnipeg 15-11 to 11 in the second period, 11-8 to eight in the third, and finally broke through with a... A pair of huge goals and the icing on the cake, Dave Lumley style empty
0: netter from 180 feet. So, so your stoicism was rewarded by the Gordons. <clears throat> yeah. And, well, they would like that because Gordie Howe had that kind of stoic uh, okay. demeanor on the ice. As I remember it, although he could every now and then it would flash. I just remember him from the WHA, right? Which was a much diminished Gordie Howe. And um, he was not as fiery. I don't think at that part, point of his career, but he still had some skill.
1: I saw the second half of his career, which is to say, uh, fr- uh, the last uh, sixteen seasons of his thirty-two year <laughs> career. So I tuned in in sixty-two, sixty-three season when uh, he and Detroit were in the Stanley Cup Finals that wow. year. Wow! Wow! And he was already like thirty-four, thirty-five years old, and 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 you know treated like a, a, a <laughs> Like God amongst men, even at that age, you know, you could tell he was special just by how the commenters, you know, talked about him. And, and he wa- he played the game, it seemed like at a walking speed, but nobody could take the puck off the guy.
0: <laughs> well, Bruce, we might, uh, Gordie Howe is obviously one of the top five players of all time. And tonight we mm. watch someone who's going to challenge, challenge for uh, one of those top five positions before his career is over, Connor McDavid, another fantastic game. As the Oilers beat the Jets and the scoring chances were 11-9 for the Oilers. Grade A chances. Bruce, um, we'll do two good things each, two bad things and two numbers. What's your first right. good thing?
1: Uh, well, I'm going to go with Darnell Nurse. Uh, Dr. 2-5 had a, had a pretty splendid game tonight, all things considered. A couple of little foibles here and there. But uh, when you end up a 4-2 win with a goal and assist, two points and plus four... On a 4-2 win, you know he did a lot more right than you did wrong. and He played a, another sort of standard Darnell game, 26-41 at the time on both special teams. And when he was on the ice, the Oilers had 34 shot attempts to 18 by the Jets. And, of course, you know that he's playing with good players, and it's, it's fair to credit the good players. But you know what? He's one of the good players. That whole unit is fantastic. And on on the game-winning goal, all five of them touched the puck. Right, it was just bang, 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 bang. Went right through the right through the the, the group of them, and and that's uh, one of the ways that they succeed is by involving the defenseman in the play. Both Barry and Nurse are uh, are strong on the attack. Wicked, wicked shot that he scored on to tie the score 2-2, and I was starting to wonder if they were going to get one <clears> by <box throat> It's going to be another game like last Saturday, where the goalie just denied everything. But uh, Nurse got the chance in the high slot, and man, did he pick the high top corner! But with a hard shot, he's added some mustard, possibly even some relish to that shot of his. You know that uh, that he's beaten goalies from the slot and even the high slot. That was a Vezina Trophy winner, and
0: he blew it right past him. Yeah. I couldn't honestly believe Hellebuck let that in. Like how, like, how did he miss that shot? There was no screen. Nurse wasn't a one-timer. Nurse moved in, and yeah, he just blew it by. It. Uh, right in the yeah. top
1: corner, though. It was, like, perfectly placed. Fair enough. So, so I still still thought Hellebuck kind of... Well, it's a great B chance in our books, but the, uh, if you've got a good enough shot that you can score from grade B territory, maybe you've got a good <laughs> shot
0: Maybe anyway, you do. It was a
1: huge goal to tie the game at that point. The game really turned in Edmonton's favor thereafter.
0: Bruce, my first good thing will be Yesa Puliyarvi, who I thought had a really fine game. Um, like Nurse, there was a few defensive errors, uh, but uh, he just he just really uh, was effective on the attack. He had those early in the game. He had right at the end of a power play. He had two bang bang chances right on the doorstep after Drive settle put it in uh, on a shot. And Pulleyev was Johnny on the spot and almost scored there. Mm-hmm. On McDavid's first goal, he was just he, he just did all the kind of unsung things that lead lead to goals. And he uh, he first pops the puck by aggressively forward-checking behind the net. Then he his battling of Pionk in front of the net. Was fantastic, and part of it was that he was cross-checking Pionk, which I particularly liked, because Pionk is a very effective and somewhat nasty player. So nice to see it get him, get it back from Uh But his the the chaos he caused in front of the net also contributed to the, to the fantastic goal by by Connor McDavid. Um, if we fast forward to the third period, he made a pass. It was deflect at a deflected pass. I understand that he mm-hmm. hit Nurse right on the stick. Nonetheless, he he made the pass. He got the pass out there, and um, he also made a play on the uh, the third goal. Uh, he's in the, the neutral zone. The puck's forwarded by Nurse, and it, 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 Pulley Harvey kind of wins a battle in the puck uh, because he 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 ties up his manner and neutralizes him. The puck's there for for McDavid to to leap on. So, um, yeah, Bruce, I'm really you know who but everyone's fondest hope mm-hmm. for I guess a play RV in Edmonton at least was that he would somehow fit in on the team this year maybe as a third liner you know get some consistency with Kyle Turris, yeah. and just you know maybe score the odd goal and hold his own as a two-way player well he has far surpassed those expectations where we're to the point where and I'll just go to my second good thing here right away because it's related, sure. to where, where the coach is trusting him on the power line. You know, when he when in Dave Tippett's line adjustments, I've criticized Dave Tippett enough for his lines to praise him here as my second good thing. His line adjustments tonight were, were fantastic. That was a fantastic move, putting that power line together. And Pugliarvi was on it with, with dry side, like David. And uh, th- that line scored an absolutely brilliant goal. Uh, so... Credit to the coach for for cracking the code on this game and um, helping put his team over the top. And it was a very close and hard fought game. So Tippett did well there. I also thought Bruce, the second line that uh, came together with Rnh Cahoon and Archibald showed a little mm-hmm. bit of problems. It was it's it the is. best I've seen in a Nugent Hopkins line. I thought he and Cahoon were surprisingly effective together. They're both really smart hockey players. And um, I thought that they were kind of, um, you know, not reading each other's minds, but reading off each other's games, uh, moving around the puck. And Archibald seemed like a good fit with them as well. So, um, well, we, I wouldn't be surprised if we see this uh, combination of players again. I don't know if Tippett will start with that uh, next game, going with that power line. Of course, Yamamoto yeah, might come back, but um, it was good to it was good to see Nugent Hopkins line also play well. Yeah. So, it worked.
1: Yeah, the second the second line, I mean, obviously the the power line scored both tying and winning goals uh, for the Oilers. Uh, but when they came off, and especially after they got the lead, they were cycling through the lines. And when they when they came off the luch line with uh, with Arch and uh, Cahoon more than held its own. They had the fucking uh, in Winnipeg zone, it seemed like. And Nuge, like he he's uh very close to being a good thing in his own right tonight I mean he played yeah. well left wing on the first line then he played well some more center on the second line he, he was um, uh, he was he was an effective versatile player for uh, Edmonton tonight he, he was out for, I
0: think. yeah he was out for 13 shots four and seven against. Um, and and to get back to Puliarvi for a second, he was out for 16 shots for and eight against, mm-hmm. and um, both players were were made right. significant contributions to that uh, good shot differential this game, and uh, played. Uh, right. Yeah, it's just very very encouraging, especially with Puliarvi, where you know out of nowhere, seemingly we have this this really fantastic uh, forward coming on for the Edmonton Oilers.
1: I don't have the scoring chances in front of me, but tell me I'm wrong. Paul Yarvi was right in the middle of the play, right around the puck on all three of the of the non-empty net goals.
0: Correct. He he was plus three. He and, had something to do.
1: And yeah, he was plus three, and he earned a plus three yeah. by making positive plays around the puck, most of the in traffic, and just you know nothing, you know super dazzling or anything, but just battle winning battles using that big big frame of his and that good first step that. Uh, Somebody had a great little feature on that in the game earlier this week, how he was reacting to, you know, deflected pucks and how quick his first step was in the right direction. I've been watching that, and he's showing it.
0: And when yeah, you he's got a guy that. with
1: that size and wingspan and leverage and skill.
0: If he can get to the puck first or tied for first, you know, lots of good things are going to happen. He's got that, uh, sometimes in the offensive end, he's got that Dave Andrechuk kind of thing going on. You know, um, Mike Kershulnitsky, that kind of big octopus reach. And even at a standstill, when he's not moving much, he can kind of reach for the puck and control it and make a play. And uh, he's starting to do that. It it strikes me, Bruce, that a huge part of what was going on with Pugliarvi in his first stint in Edmonton, especially in his last season, wasn't just inexperience and lack of confidence it was injury mm-hmm. he just is so much more stable on his skates now now maybe you know he he had the was a double double surgery double or what
1: hip was it? surgery on both hips
0: yeah so so and he just is far far more stable when he first came to Edmonton I actually thought he was pretty stable he was playing on a line with maroon and dry settle initially and he he looked like a power forward at that time but he certainly didn't in his his first year, uh, pre before he went to Finland, he just was falling down all the time. But man, he's he's sturdy out there. He's like Peter Nogli out there, the the uh, big German oak. <laughs> now that former is a very Reventon, obscure <laughs> former Edmonton driller.
1: That's I right. I thought you well, you're talking about reach. I thought you were reaching when you came up with Dave Andrechuk, which is uh, there's some <laughs> physical. Oh, uh, Andrechuk didn't have the speed that Yase has, but Peter Nogli, what a beauty! <laughs> he was captain for the Drillers when I had season tickets.
0: That was a lot of fun, wasn't it? Those Edmonton yes. Drillers. Okay, Bruce. Um, where are we now? You've got. You, are we onto your bad oh. thing here?
1: Uh, no, we got a second good thing for me business. because you did two right. in a row.
0: Yeah, all oh, so that's, my, right. so, that's my, right.
1: my second good thing is Ethan Bear. Uh, I just loved the game he played tonight. I just thought it seemed like he was coming away with the puck or moving the puck to an oiler time after time after time, winning battles, and never you know no blunders, no no, no mistakes. I don't know how many scoring chance mistakes uh, you had him down for. I don't have the document open for some reason. Anyway, uh, he uh, I just I just loved his compete level, and it was just little things, but millions of them. It just seemed like scads and scads of little things that he did right, and and at least saw it off or got the better of. I don't know how many little short passes he made inside the zone. They weren't even like long stretch passes and stuff, but just get the puck to the right guy that he can do something with it. And, of course, that took on more and more value as we got later in the game, and especially after Edmonton got the lead. Uh, but I thought the Oilers with the lead were superb. Uh, you know, they you know they were getting the puck out of their end, and they were getting in the other end, and they were battling for it down there, and they weren't, uh, weren't giving up much of anything to uh, uh, to the Jets down the stretch and and uh, he he was obviously not the only one that was involved in all of that but his part was solid solid I think he's played you now three excellent games in a row it, I and think it's, it's, it's a uh, good sign that after the kind of a rough night on Monday in Calgary when a couple of errors turned into goals and a lot of fingers started being pointed and he responded
0: the best way you can with three good games in a row. So I think it's the you. third game in a. I think it's the third game in a row, Bruce, that we've named him one of the good things. Well,
1: I know and he did it's
0: oh. it's the third game in a row where he's made zero mistakes nice. against on on great a chances. That's that's really fine play from an NHL mm-hmm. defenseman. Usually, you'd expect even when you're doing your job, you're going to get maybe one a game where you, you screw up on. But three games in a row where he's got a, kept the clean sheet. Maybe, mm-hmm. we'll, maybe we should track how many clean sheets clean he can sheet get. <laughs> the clean sheet. Um, yeah, he's. Uh, and, you know, we're not hearing a lot about. We're hearing a little bit less about Evan Bouchard. feel kind of sorry for him sitting out all these games. But um, Bear, Larson, and Barry are certainly earning their keep right now. And. Uh, why would you change that? All three of them are playing well. Why would you change that, indeed? Uh, Bruce, my bad thing, I'll go with the first goal against Mike Smith had a pretty good game. He only got beat on, um, well, the second goal against was a double deflection of the puck in the slot area, which is a pretty unique and d- deadly combination to try to stop. But the first goal against, ah, uh, that was a tough one. He came out, Smith came out and in like five minutes of the game, he made a, he made a great save in the slot. Um, but about five minutes after that, uh, it was just a weird play, uh, where it went off Larson and it went off. I think the Winnipeg player, I thought it might've gone on Ru- off Russell, but it went off cop. So just a couple bad bounces and it's behind him. So that's a frustrating thing for the goalie, but he was only tonight beat on deflected place. He was not double beat deflections. on Double deflections. He was not beat on one straight shot. So that's pretty good for Mike Smith. He's looking fantastic, Bruce.
1: Yeah, Ehlers, he just kind of sifted the shot in there. It didn't look dangerous, and it hit Larson, and it bounced sideways, and it hit Kopp on the shin pad, and it went down, and it bounced off the ice and up again, which is really hard for hockey goalies. That's a lacrosse shot, you know, the bounce shot, because the goalie responds to the puck, and he goes down with it, and then it comes up. Anyway, it also came within like an inch of the post. Like They couldn't replicate that deflection if they tried it again a thousand times, probably. But that was just one of those ones that had eyes and went in.
0: There's no blame, really, to be assigned almost to anyone, really, on a play like that. just Yeah, it's just, one of yeah, those it's just bad, bad puck luck, and that happens. Yeah. What's your bad thing, Bruce?
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with William Langson, <laughs> who I didn't see particularly well tonight. And I wonder how well did uh, Coach see him. 12 minutes and 4 seconds yeah. of play. Minus one. And... Um, he he was on the receiving end of a couple of really hard hits, including one really dirty hit that I couldn't believe wasn't called. The guy hit him right in the 84 and drove him basically face first into the glass down there in, uh, in Messier's corner, you know, on the on the far left uh, corner, right right, uh, right above the goal line. And somehow the refs missed that one. They missed a few, but that was that was the most dangerous of them. And I don't know that he played a lot after that, but I don't know if that's why he didn't play a lot after that, right? Because as the game got 2-2, two, 3-2 two, two down the stretch, and you had uh, uh, Lagason's uh, shot attempts were, uh, well, shots on goal, 2-4, 8 against on his watch. Yeah, yeah that's he's been getting away with, the, you know, the poor shot counts. I wrote about that today. <coughs> mm-hmm. His shot share is only uh, 40%, but his goal share is like 67%. And tonight that came down a little bit, and the shot share actually got a little worse. So uh, sooner or later, those percentages, when they're flying that high, they're going to catch up with you. But I just I just didn't seem good, and I, you know, so... I didn't make a lot positive happen, and he got beat a couple times.
0: So, I, I'm not seeing either Jones or Lagusen good at this point. I think they're both kind of struggling uh, defensively, especially um, leaking chances against. Them. And and that's gonna, you know, Larson's keeping them afloat, both of them to a certain level. But um, yeah, one of them's got to step up right now and seize the yeah. job. And uh, we'll see we'll see who it is. But Lagusen's been in a defensive slump. I think a genuine defensive slump for for a while here. And um, his He'll last far back,
1: has he been? Well, you know, has he been yeah, back to where he came he back? Was
0: before? I don't think so. Yeah. And um, and it's it's not getting better; it's getting a little bit worse. So uh, Jones will probably likely get another chance. I wouldn't be surprised to see. I mean, Caleb Jones can really move the puck. He also has been leaking chances against, and he's had some turnovers, but he he can really pass it. So yeah, Lagergren seeming a little bit overwhelmed by the speed of things right now and the kind of the intensity of it all so he's moving up from the hl and the swedish Mm -hmm. hockey league second division uh, this particular particular year so he listen he he came out so strong but he has slipped and uh, we'll see what happens next all righty um bruce your number
1: yeah, well, I'm going to go with 18-7 for the Orders in the last 25 games. Wow! To really turn the season around, they were they were three and six, and they beat Toronto on a Saturday night here. what would that? Be seven weeks ago. Uh, Four-three in overtime. Edmonton's one and only overtime game of the season, and the Orders were able to win it in 42 seconds. That's how much extra time they played this year. Otherwise, all regulation games uh including 24 in a row now which i'm betting is close to a record in the shootout era uh anyways uh 18 wins seven losses and looking more and more comfortable with one goal leads down the stretch which they had again tonight and uh that's uh several of those they've ridden out lately now mind you you know against calgary and vancouver they couldn't overcome one goal deficits down the stretch but they uh they came a lot closer to tying those two games than their opponents came to tying uh, uh, other close games lately, including the Jets in both of these games. I thought Edmonton kept kept them at bay down the
0: stretch both nights. Bruce, for my number, I'm tempted to go with uh, Connor McDavid tying uh, Austin Matthews in goals. <laughs> uh, let me just look that up. But I'm going to go with something else that uh, occurred. And I think this is the first time this season, if I'm not mistaken, that Edmonton has been ahead of Winnipeg in um, winning percentage. So Edmonton now has uh, 34 games, 21 wins, and 13 losses. They're 6-18. And Winnipeg in 31 games has 18 wins, 11 regulation losses, and two overtime loser points. For a 6-13, so it's 6-18 to 6-13. So this is a, a big mm-hmm. accomplishment. Yeah. I'm going to say the Oilers were lucky to win both those games. Or they had some good puck lucks. Because like, the grade-A chances in those two games were very close, both games. Either game could have gone either way. But the Oilers won, and uh, there's been other times when they haven't been so lucky when they've outchanced yeah. the other team. So they're at six eighteen. Bruce, uh, Toronto's at six fifty six. So Toronto's still significantly ahead, although Edmonton and Toronto are now tied in the standings. And of course, Edmonton has games coming up against the Maple Leafs, which two large. Games in hand? two games in hand. Yeah, the goal differential for the Leafs and the Orders is closing in. Toronto's plus twenty four, and the Orders are plus nineteen. Nice. So uh, yeah, that's after a pretty. The, after nine games, they were minus seven.
1: So in those 25 games since that they've gone 18 and seven, they've gone from minus seven to what'd you say plus 19? Correct. Well, so plus 26 over a 25 game span. <clears throat> That's uh, and that includes that that getting the crap kicked out of them three times in a row by Toronto, and the rest
0: the whole rest of that time they've been good. So just to get back to the Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews thing. Okay. Um, <laughs> McDavid and Matthews are now tied at 21 goals each. Matthews has played five fewer games, but he's been injured and he's missed uh, th- three games. So mm-hmm. Matthews has uh, 36 points in 29 games. McDavid has 60 points in 34 mm-hmm. games. So all that talk about Austin Matthews winning the MVP, I think that, that kind of maybe jinxed him a little bit <laughs> because uh, since, that to- since, since that talk was at its, you know, an uproar, um, he's he's struggled to get to get scoring again. Of course, he could get hot at any time. He's a fantastic hockey player.
1: Yeah, he was uh, he was very unlucky against um, Calgary twice. He was robbed by diving saves by uh, Markstrom last night, Riddick tonight, where it looked like he had the whole side to stick the puck in, and the goalie came diving right across the front of the net. Somehow, kept it out. He hit a post last night that really should have been an easy goal. He missed the net tonight on one that really should have been an easy goal. And they showed him at the bench just hammering his stick away and trying to break it into pieces, even though Toronto was beating at the time. And no doubt because he's Austin Matthews, that's signs of character and leadership. Whereas if Leon Dreisaitl did, it would be signs of sulking and bad body
0: language. (laughs) Tell me I'm wrong. (laughs) You are not wrong. (laughs) He does have a 17.8. Uh, percent shooting percentage, so we can't say that he's had terrible puck luck shooting the oh, puck. Just here. in this series against Calgary, he's a great shooter of the puck. Really at least
1: right way up there with at least near Leon. <laughs> he, he,
0: <laughs> he Yeah, he's closing in there. You know, if he keeps working at it, he'll he'll mm. approach that level. Uh Leon's shooting at eighteen percent, by the way. And Connor is at fifteen point four. With a yeah. with a Pot full of shots. He's been shooting like mad. I love it. 136 shots for Connor McDavid, Bruce. Yeah. He, if he's. That's four games. That's a nice number. Four he games. is playing. He is playing at a different level than we have ever seen him play. And, uh, it is just such a treat. This is a treat for, if you're a fan of this team to be able to watch this player night in and night out, we are so lucky. Mm-hmm. He is, he, he is, his movements are so fast, so electric. And, and uh, uh, just can't get over it. I just feel we, you know, we had Gretzky here, and now we've got this. Like, man, did we ever pick the right city to be a hockey fan? <laughs> yeah. Well, Pittsburgh
1: got the luck with uh, with uh, Lemieux, and uh, well, Lemieux and Yager kind of overlapped the way Gretzky and Messier, I guess, so, and others yeah. overlapped. But then they got a whole second era with Sidney and uh, and Gino. And now uh, we're getting their kind of luck with, uh, with Connor and Leon, you know, and just two wonderful high-end players that, uh, uh, that can take over a game separately or together.
0: Yeah, two cities that have had a tremendous amount of good luck in terms of uh, having this NHL superstars. So we'll take it. We'll take it. All righty, Bruce, well, you got to get writing, so we'll let you go. And um, thanks for talking tonight. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.